Welcome to another edition of What the Cross Means to Me devotional program. This is your host, Rob Holt, coming to you from Chico Life Radio. It is good to be with you as we contemplate fresh perspectives on the meaning of the cross. I am not a theologian, but a photographer of over 30 years. But if a picture says a thousand words, then yes, I guess you could say I preached the glory of our Creator by capturing and sharing what the Creator has created. My mission is to share the gospel through my imagery, the spoken word, and the written word. This radio program fulfills the spoken part, and the imagery utilized for this devotional are of a singular cross on a lonely hill shot over a two-year period. The written word for this program is from a book I published about that cross collection. It matches 30 images with 30 original essays from a wide spectrum of Christian leaders sharing their insights on the cross. The book shares the same name as this program, What the Cross Means to Me. Each week I share a devotional inspired by the name of one of the cross images and ponder the wider meaning of the cross through the lens of Scripture. This week's image is entitled The Quest, an image from the earliest of early days of my capturing the the cross collection. Back when the entire hillside was covered with grass, or some might say, during the summer, hey, the landscape imparts the feeling of a late summer afternoon. There is a sea of grass at its max of about three feet high, with the calming amber-yellow hue you see in grass in late summer. The image was captured after sunset, just a bit after, and the color of the sky is that purplish type of blue that you see during the beautiful transition from day to night and night to day. On a personal note, this is a combination of my favorite sky color and light intensity. But why the title, The Quest? Well, the landscape gives the sense that it is an empty field, void of anything, nothing to find and nothing to look for. And yet, I found a cross. And as we will learn in today's devotional, there is a lot to a cross any cross, every cross. And no matter what crisis, change, and challenge we face in our lives, our friends, our family, our church, or in society, the story, the purpose, and the impact of the cross stays the same. Meaning while everything around our lives are in flux, constantly changing, the cross never changes. The principles, precepts, and promise of the cross never move. And it will not be moved, even when the tectonic plates beneath our temporal life keep shifting. The bedrock of Calvary is solid, steadfast, and sure. When events in your life begin to shake your footing, your foundation, and even your faith, then run to the cross. Seek the cross. Seek the the shadow of the cross and seek it without ceasing. If need be, make it your quest. This is my reason for the name, because sometimes the journey of finding the type of peace only found in the cross is a noble and necessary quest. The verse for this devotional is 2 Chronicles 34, 33. For the rest of his life, they didn't abandon their quest to follow the Lord God of their ancestors. There's also a poem I like by Bob Gotti, which goes like this in part. God is the only God you'll find who knows both your heart and mind. God knows all you've been through and knows where you are going to. 
I know the plan that God has for me, a plan which extends into eternity. His plan for me began in this life when I received his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus was my friend and my guide during my time upon that ridge, contemplating and capturing this white cross, which was a quest to find rest and peace that I found in the message and purpose of the cross, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And this devotion today reminds me of Ernie Retta, who was on a quest to acquire unique images. It was actually a lifetime quest of his adult life. It resulted in him becoming the Guinness World Record holder of crosses. Now, as a cross photographer, Ernie reached out to the school who had put that cross up that I was shooting, and he got my contact info from them, and he reached out to me and invited me to his home, where he shared with me a very small slice of his collection, which filled up his entire garage. In addition, he had three storage units full of crosses. What I saw that night and heard in Ernie, his spirit, was that it inspired me in a quest to find unique crosses. Of the ones that I've found... Three I chose to hang in my office. The first starts off with a large crucifix, about two and a half feet tall. It's a big cross. And it can be a little disconcerting to have a bloody, disfigured body hanging a little higher than my head, where friends and family and colleagues can see it over my shoulder on Zoom calls. But I like it there, the big crucifix right in the middle. Now, I realize some people may not know the difference between a cross and a crucifix, What Protestants simply call a cross has no body on it, but a cross with the body of Jesus nailed or hanging on the cross is referred to as a crucifix. In the realm of Christendom, there is a third cross, which is, like the Protestant cross, an empty cross. The unique difference about an Orthodox cross is there is a form of a sign, you know, the sign that declared King of the Jews, above the main crossbar. Sometimes the sign part is so pronounced that it almost makes the cross look like it has two crossbars, with the top being about half the width of the main crossbar. On the bottom, there is a much smaller crossbar, which infers that that was the footboard where the Romans nailed Jesus' feet onto that board. Now, what's unique about it is that the footboard is angled acutely with the right side pointing up, and the left side pointing down. The footboard is very symbolic, with the right upwards angle referencing the good thief and the downward left side referencing the ultimate resting place of the bad thief. This cross goes way back to the early church, pre-Catholicism, and it is still the preferred cross of orthodoxy, the Coptic, the Greek, the Eastern Orthodox churches. This is also referred to as a Byzantine cross, and there are many variations. Now, the cross with the body of Christ on it, a crucifix, is preferred by the modern Catholic Church. This leaves the broad spectrum of Protestant denominations preferring the empty cross, like the white wooden cross that I shot over several years on that hill. So, in the case of the three crosses in my office, the middle larger cross is a crucifix. Now, there are some crucifixes that have a little blood from his forehead under the crown of thorns, some blood from the wounds on his hand and feet, and of course, some blood flowing from where the wound on his side 
where he was pierced with the Roman spear. Some do more, like add blood on his knees, referencing the times he fell carrying the cross of the Via Della Rosa. Others add blood to his face, referring to the fact that he was beat with fists and a rod, and his beard was pulled out. Of course, no matter how accurately an artist tries, he can never adequately recreate how Jesus looked on the cross. Why? It says in Isaiah 52.14 that just as there were many who were appalled looking at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond any human likeness. In another translation, it says, he no longer looked like a human man. It means you would not be able to tell that he was human. Not even the Passion of the Christ movie was able to capture how truly disfigured the body and face of Jesus became. Now, this crucifix in my office, given to me by a brother-in-law of my brother-in-law, who, yes, is a, is a Catholic, um, he broke his neck diving in an infamous part of a local river. It was a tragedy, but it could have been worse, as we heard for about a day that he had lost control of, of everything below the neck. But... His upper torso feeling and, and movement came back. But what most of us noticed that even though he had become wheelchair-bound, he never became bitter. And we all witnessed that his faith became amplified after the accident. And he was a bright light of faith to his entire family. And an inspiration to me as we were kindred spirits and have long talks about his faith and his passion for intercessory prayer. And so when I received it as a gift from him, this crucifix, it meant a lot to me. It's the first crucifix I've ever owned. And I'm glad to have the ability to be reminded of what Christ chose to do for me and for us. And because my brother-in-law and brother in the Lord passed away recently, crucifix means something very special to me. Now just to the right of it is a Gaelic-looking cross of wood, about eight inches high. It is made of a special type of wood and masterfully carved with intricate throughcuts in an Irish-looking style. It was a gift from a dear brother commemorating the day that I was anointed with oil and commissioned to share the gospel, coincidentally coinciding with the start of this cross devotional ministry. On the left-hand side, I have a cross that caught my eye when I had a cross booth at a craft fair. Across from me one day was a booth from a leathersmith making various products from leather. And the cross I bought is about the same height as the wooden Gaelic carved cross and has red stones in the middle making the form of a cross. What's important for me when I see that is it reminds me of the time that I spent at craft fairs, not selling products, but the encounters that I had with certain people who would walk into my booth and be so moved by the cross that it would bring them to tears. So seeing the leather cross takes me back to that time. So I have a crucifix in the middle and two crosses of approximately the same size on each side. And since my office window is towards the street, if somebody is looking in on that office room from the street, the first thing they will recognize is the three crosses. And lastly, the, the thing that resonates with me about the crucifix was that it was bought for me by my brother-in-law from an artist in Mexico, not one made in China. In fact, all three were specially handmade. All three of them have a deeper meaning for me, is that it reminds me of the debt that Jesus paid on my behalf and your behalf every time I see it, even unconsciously sometimes. 
And I'm also reminded of my mission as a Christian in regards to sharing the gospel. No one can visit my office without thinking of Christ and his sacrifice. Not just in my office, but I have prints of this cross on the walls around my house. One on metal, one on wood, another on tile, another traditionally matte and framed. These are all seeds of the gospel being planted or watered in those who view my cross art when they visit my house, even if unconsciously, or maybe subconsciously. And I believe that at get-togethers, whether intimate or large gatherings, discussions on Christ and Christianity can be sparked, even if in the viewer's head, because of the cross art. We can never know the impact of the seeds we plant in others, at least not on this side of glory. And while, yes, we preach more through our actions than our words, I also believe that having Christian art, or some say sacred art, in our home will have some sort of effect on us, our spouses, our kids, our extended family and friends. I also give away many crosses as gifts, cross images. What I give away most are these little wallet size uh, images. I get to make a bunch for very little, and they're easy to give out in various situations for either a thank you or or just as a gift uh, inside their card. And speaking of cards, I also have a line of cross cards that I send to people, and it warms my heart when I visit a family or friend and I see one of my crosses placed in a prominent um, area of their home, sometimes in the kitchen, on a desk, or I had a sister in the Lord who framed one of my 5 by 7 greeting cards and hung it above her bedpost. She says it gives peace to her every night. I recently acquired another cross in our entryway, which is not one of the three I described before. This one can be referred to as a resurrected or ascended cross. It shows the resurrected Christ in his traditional Hebrew white robe floating in front of the cross, not hung on it. This signifies the confluence of both major events into one, the resurrected Jesus following the crucified Christ two of the major aspects of the life of Christ. Now, some may say there are three main aspects to Jesus' life, his virgin birth, death on the cross, and his miraculous resurrection. Others say four, by adding the ascension of his resurrected body up into the heavens. And yet, others may say there are five, if you include his immaculate conception. And others state that if you add the cumulative miracles made up of his ministry, I guess that would be six. And I actually guess I could keep going if I tried. But to me, I've always thought of the major aspects of Jesus' life as a tripod, his virgin birth, his crucifixion, and resurrection. These diverse aspects are hard to convey in one symbol. But it all comes back to the cross. Many times when a cross catches my attention out and about, it leads me to a meditative contemplation of what Jesus allowed there. It helps me when I am stressed, as I find by focusing on the cross, I forget about myself while focusing on the meaning, the resurrected, and yes, ascended Jesus. This is a biblical truth, as we are encouraged and instructed to keep our mind stayed on Christ, either through sacred art, Christian music, Christian TV, Christian radio programs or podcasts, Bible readings, reading Christian-based books, praying, meditating, interceding, or all of the above, and all of which can be triggered by viewing a cross. Also, for me, it could also be a scene of nature, a plant, a forest path, a sunset, a puppy dog, 
Nature was standing, I contend that most everything around your every day can help you keep your mind stayed on Christ. Why? Because unless you are a hermit, you will come across other humans in your daily activities, each of which has the need to be encouraged in their walk or introduced into a walk of faith in the kingdom of God here on earth. And each of them may be in need. You may not know at first, actually most likely, which slice of the spectrum of physical or spiritual need they may be struggling in. That's okay, and it's to be expected. Remember what Jesus said, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, Truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What this means for our devotional discussion today is that we should continue on the quest to share the message of the cross. As everyone we meet is a reason to share the gospel and to pray for them or simply be aware of any divine appointments that are happening and then be prepared, prayed up, to adequately act. And the best way to do that is to keep your mind stayed in a state of prayer and on Christ. And the cross is, or should be, the center of our life, the symbol. The symbol that spanned a thousand thousand crosses, like the ones atop countless churches and on the necklaces of millions of necks on on millions of people around the last, well, billions of people over the last 2,000 years. And it's the cross we wonder about when thinking of how to answer the question to yourself of what the cross means to me. The cross is not just one cross, but all the crosses ever inspired to be created by and to honor the real cross of Christ. One of the regrets I have in life is not moving fast enough when that world record cross collector crossed my path. The actual collection I mentioned earlier in this devotional, the one collected by that sweet older man named Ernie Retta, he approached me in the hopes that I could help him launch a museum in which to present his wide spectrum of crosses. I saw his garage and it was full to the brim with crosses. And as I mentioned, Ernie told me that was just a tiny part of his collection. And to see so many crosses at one time was overwhelming. And Ernie shared how it had taken over his life just a bit. I did what I could. I introduced him to a person I thought might help. But I regret not doing more, thinking I had more time. But unfortunately, Ernie passed away soon after being diagnosed with lung cancer. I know at that point, a few offers had been made to purchase the collection, and I don't know what the final decision by his wife, Camille, what, what final decision she made, but I hope the collection ended up in good hands, and that Ernie's dream of the crosses being shared with the world would be realized. But again, to see so many crosses in one place at one time was incredible. What really impressed me and affected me was realizing how all the artistic variations of a horizontal and vertical sticks could be inspired by the real cross that Jesus sacrificed himself on. I saw variations of crosses on wood, steel, leather, aluminum, clay, iron, stone, copper, porcelain, bronze, wire, glass, and much more. So many inspirations of art from two pieces of material. 
the vertical and horizontal pieces. And inspired from a para-historical moment on that first Good Friday. A moment that was being led up to ever since the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. An event that changed everything. A fulfillment of the law leading to complete freedom in the grace of God. And that cross that spans so many crosses, from this in Ernie's collection to those on hillsides atop churches as jewelry, are just a small shadow in the light of the real cross, like a beacon, beaconing all to enter through the cross of salvation to the healing and joy of God's presence. The cross is like a beacon, shining a path of light towards salvation. The thing is, wherever there is light, it also casts a shadow. And some people are stuck looking at the shadow, not knowing or hesitant to view anything past what they see in the shadows. But the reality is shadows may be the only indicators we have of what is real. Shadows always invite us to look up, if at all possible, to discern the cause and source of the light. In this case, it is not the actual wooden cross itself that I photographed, but the ineffable, pure, white light which makes every real thing possible and all other shadows possible. The goal with my nature and cross and inspirational imagery is to direct the gaze of the viewer up, if at all, to discern the creator of the creation I captured. And what is light? Is is it not a wave? And is not everything we know, not just see, about everything and anything in our existence is because of waves? Primarily the waves of the sun, the big ball of gas in the middle of our solar system. But there is a higher light transcending across all dimensions, across all dark matter and dark energy, making everything that is really real possible. In John 1.5, it says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Especially consider the route God has paved for us to enter into a right relationship with him, restoring what was lost in the Garden of Eden. Another Gift is mentioned by King David who said, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. This is a gift from God, one of many gifts we could be thankful for. God gave us life through Adam and his breath is still in us. And he offers the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice his son Jesus made for us on the cross. This is not just my opinion, but a biblical principle. It says in Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ, Jesus our Lord, the one through whom salvation can be attained. And maybe it was a prophetic statement when King David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yes, after his death, Jesus came back to life, having retrieved the keys of death, hell, and the grave, no longer needing to fear death. And as we learn in physics, light is both a particle and a wave. And it was light that was imprinted on the Shroud of Turin when Jesus was resurrected. And Jesus, who was fully human and fully divine, is the light of the world. As with that enlightened perception, we read in scripture, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Matthew 4.16. And in John 1.4, that in him was life, 
and that life was the light of all mankind. Now, God's gifts shed light on God's heart, God's good and generous heart. James 1.17 states, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And before Jesus ascended, he said in John 12, 35 and 36, he said to his disciples, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left. And of course, we want to point others to this beacon, utilizing this illuminating invitation for them to enter the kingdom of God here on earth. So let us strive to step out of the shadows and soak in the light, and not just to absorb it, but to reflect it to others as a way of illuminating their path to joy of God's grace. Let us be reflections of God's unconditional love and forgiveness. Today, is that not a worthy and most noble quest? Remember, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a jewel merchant in the quest of choice pearls. Matthew 13, 45. To me, this means I won't stop until I acquire what I am seeking. David felt this in the extreme when, in Psalm 63, 1, he wrote, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for my whole being longs for you in a parched land where there is no water. And it is not like it is some sort of impossible quest. We find encouragement in the admonition found in Jeremiah 29:13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And it is not like we need to leave our home and community like Sam and Frodo did when they left the Shire in the Lord of the Rings book. No, Jesus taught us that the kingdom of heaven is in us if we allow it. The cares of life, the pain of relationships, as well as the time and energy to efficiently be productive at our school or jobs can distract us from this truth. More than distraction, there seems to be less time in the day for all the to-dos, let alone for prayer. I remember times when I experienced communion with God, achieving his perfect peace. It was no doubt when I was near to God. But when I'm away, living life, dealing with all the things that are everyday calls our attention to. I become quenched again, and I have to set aside time to pray and read the Bible and meditate on its meaning and praying some more, seeking again to feel God's presence, to ignite my energy and providing new meaning and new wisdom. Just like, quote, loving God and treating others as myself, unquote, I am inspired to live out the phrase, quote, always striving to grow from good to better, unquote. Proverbs 9.10 teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What this means to me is that wisdom is the application of knowledge, a knowing that God is omniscient and that we never really are alone and we never we really get away with anything. This provides an insight and an opportunity to be wise in every situation and to fulfill my do unto others intentions instead of focusing on myself. This is the worthwhile quest, to seek communion with God and to treat others better than yourself by sharing the gospel with them, doing actions for them instead of focusing on your own needs. Doing so also provides a peace 
that will surpass all understanding. Now, if you not born again, if you have not sunbathed in the spiritual nourishing light yet, then I suggest you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, heal you of your pain, and soak in the spiritually cleansing light that energizes the atomic parts of your soul and body and spirit to eternal life. Ask Jesus to come into your heart today. And with that, go in grace, and may God keep you in perfect peace. Thanks for listening to What the Cross Means to Me devotional program heard every week on Life Radio. If you'd like to view the image discussed in this essay's image, The Quest, along with my other Verspirations, then check out Verspiration on Instagram. And if you'd like to learn about the Cross products, hear other Cross podcasts, then log on to RobbieHolt.com and support for this message and for this program comes from the generous donations from people like you to help this ministry share the gospel please make a donation at r-o-b-b-y-h-o-l-t.com